You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming online at WERA.FM. It's, it's almost like you're a scientist in your own life and you're making observations. Coming to you from Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Sometimes we talk about curiosity in pretty dismissive, maybe even demeaning ways, although I'm not sure we intend to or even aware that we do it. We explain ourselves away as being just curious to downgrade our questions, lessen the perceived intrusion, as if our curiosity is unimportant, incidental, inconsequential. Why do we do that? This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. An antidote to our old habits at some level. This is a show about how curiosity is important, consequential. And so when a movement comes along that is all about intentionality of curiosity, that centers the powerful consequences of choosing to be curious about the impact of our actions, you can assume it's got my attention. I'm pretty sure I first heard the term sober curious from a grad student who decided to give it a try in maybe 2018, 2019. It turns out that was pretty early in the popularization of this approach to choosing to be curious about our alcohol consumption. To be sober curious is to reassess one's relationship with drinking. It's part mindfulness, part overall attention to well-being, part solidarity in a frank re-examination and redefinition of how we socialize and celebrate in this country. Laura Silverman has been what she calls a booze-free babe since July of 2007. She's founder of the lifestyle blog, The Sobriety Collective, wellness travel site Booze Free in D.C., and Zero Proof Nation, a community celebrating non-alcoholic beverages and the people who drink and create them. She's a karaoke rock star, roller derby girl, nature lover, mental health advocate, and treasures spending time with her close family and friends. She's combined her love of travel to new places and a passion for sobriety and wellness and created that online hub where travelers and locals alike can discover all that the DMV has to offer from a booze-free lens. Food, beverages, things to do, ways, as she puts it, to renew the soul. Well, with that combination of enthusiastic, entrepreneurial, and exploratory spirit, she seemed like the perfect person to talk to about Sober Curious. So welcome, Laura. Thank you, Lynn. That might be the best introduction I've ever received in my life. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited to have you. And as I said, I was very excited to stumble on you. I just sort of felt like the, you know, the gods had spoken that we we were to have this conversation. So the thing that brought me to you was this movement of Sober Curious. Tell us about Sober Curious. Well, you you gave it a, a really good intro, really good outline. It's it's about intentionality. And so maybe the idea of sober curiosity has existed for a long time, but the, the term itself was coined quite recently in maybe, maybe a few years ago by a woman named Ruby Warrington. And she since wrote a book called Sober Curious. And I'll admit, I didn't have the luxury of being sober curious. What brought me to the, to the, 
booze-free lifestyle was I needed help. And a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of people face substance use disorder, whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. Severe substance use disorder is also sometimes called addiction, alcoholism. I was more on the moderate side of uh, side of the house, but I couldn't. I didn't have an off switch. I couldn't just moderate, and I had tried, and and so I needed professional help, and that that happened in two thousand seven, and I haven't I haven't had alcohol since, and I'm quite quite proud of that. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it is of course something to celebrate, but it's so indoctrinated into us that drinking alcohol is normal. It's mm-hmm. a toxin. It's a drug. I'm not a prohibitionist. I promise that, but it's the only drug that you're sort of frowned upon if you don't imbibe in it, if you don't take it. And it's just, it's so bizarre what our society dictates and tells us to do in order to socialize and have fun. And that's why this movement of sober curiosity is so um, inviting and interesting because it it flips the script. We're expected to drink at happy hours, at weddings, at on dates, um, football games, everything, everything. And and so sober curiosity sort of invites you to, well, let me see if I need to look at my relationship with alcohol, but not necessarily from a harm reduction point, although that is true as well. It's, it's, it's definitely more of a holistic wellness thing. And what I love about sober curiosity is that it's, it's almost like you're a scientist in your own life and you're making observations. You're just... Like you said before, Lynn, it's it's about mindfulness and intentionality. So you might take a step back and 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 think about your life, maybe from a scientific point of view, make some hypotheses, do some experiments, see what works, what doesn't work. And the the whole thing about it is that if you're taking a month off of drinking, and maybe some people just need to start with a week or two to embrace that sort of new mindset of, of curiosity, it's it's again, like embracing the mindset and not thinking about what you're giving up, but potentially what you're gaining. You may find that you sleep better. You may find that uh, you are more focused at work or in your home life. You might actually enjoy not having hangovers and wasting hours and days. And, and you'll also find that there's plenty of social libations to be had that don't include alcohol, but aren't sort of yesteryear's kitty menu stuff. There's just this whole explosive movement of non-alcoholic beverages. And so I think it's it's also challenging yourself to socialize, well, even in this whole crazy COVID time, but still challenge you to socialize without sort of the crutch of alcohol and see see how you do. Ah, thank you for that because you just packed <laughs> so much. So well, this is what's so rich to me about this. And thank you, first of all, you know, making a distinction between people where sort of choosing to be curious for a month is not so easy and pro- and maybe not the total solution. Mm-hmm. But that for for other folks, it is a way of kind of stepping back and reassessing. And I do think it's interesting the power of describing it as curiosity. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that. You know, how do you think describing this as a curiosity enterprise influences people's experience with it? Does it lower the barrier to entry? I mean, 
What do you think happens there? I think so, because people hear the term sober and they think somber. They think Mm. uh, sober from the the truest definition of the word where it's just like serious and, and potentially boring. I think choosing to look at it from a, from a curious mindset is sort of whimsical and scientific at the same time. It's like, (laughs) let me see if I can be playful with this. Let me actually evaluate my relationship with alcohol. Have I been relying on it too much for X, Y, and Z? And you might find in your journey of sober curiosity that you don't drink alcohol much at all. And maybe you'll just leave it as being a rare drinker or, you know, someone who celebrates with champagne at, at weddings. But some people might find that they actually like their lives without alcohol at all. It invites people to try on this lifestyle without it feeling like it's something that they need to do forever and or implies that they have a problem with drinking. And some people might find that they do have a problem and some people might find that they need professional help. I I need to be clear, first of all, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional, but it is very, very dangerous to stop drinking on one's own if someone is actually physically addicted to alcohol. So that's why detox exists. That's why uh, residential treatment exists. That's why there are substance abuse counselors. And and if we're talking about that, there, that's why treatment works. But sober curiosity is more for the person who doesn't need treatment, but might find that they're what's called in my world, I didn't coin this, but, but I hear it all the time, a gray area drinker, where it's like, hmm, am I drinking too much? You know, you have you have the awareness to ask yourself. I think if you're so physically addicted, like you just can't even do that. Yeah. And that's understandable for other reasons. But if you're just like, hmm, am I drinking too much? Am I relying on it too much? That's that's where you can sort of invite that curiosity in. Well, and, and, you know, as I listen to you talk, I I assume that people discover that there's sort of more and more to be curious about. Mm -hmm. Maybe you start to be curious about the people you're hanging out with and why you're hanging out with them or yeah, what yeah. this is doing to my sleep or what it's doing to my overall mood or productivity. A hundred percent. I mean, when we think about alcohol, and again, not a scientist here, um, I play one on TV, <laughs> <laughs> but when we think about alcohol, it is a... It, it, what has been called a social lubricant. It lowers inhibitions. It makes people think that they're maybe more of their true selves when when they're drinking. But let me tell you, as someone who's been on both sides, (laughs) when I was on the drunk side of, of the house, I thought I was like, the life of the party. I was like having great relationships and great conversations with people. And I was just usually kind of a babbling mess. Um, mm. And I've seen it on the other side. You know, I've seen people that really remind me of how I used to be. And, and you know, I have, I have compassion for them. I want them to find what's best in their lives. And I want them, if they need help, to get help. But, but it just reminds me of, wow, this is, <laughs> this is not what I thought I was doing. And more authentic connections happen when we are not behind the curtain of some sort of substance. We're able to, to be more of ourselves and it takes courage. It takes bravery to not have to rely on alcohol. Again, not a statistic here, but, but something that I've just found in, in doing what I do and sort of seeing the trends, um, 
since, you know, since COVID began is that there are some people whose drinking patterns were exacerbated by everything that was going on completely, honestly, understandably so. And some people were like, hey, I have the luxury of being at home now. I don't have to like be out and about with people. And let me just see if like I can try not drinking. Do this differently. Do yeah. this differently and and order some beverages online and, and see if I enjoy them. And so it sort of gave people the permission in, in, in a way to just kind of like take a step back and see, hey, can I still enjoy my life even though yeah. there's so much I mean there is just it's this time of social reckoning this time of racial reckoning of systemic inequalities that the pandemic has you know uncovered and but it also it also invites us to to really feel and what's going on in our communities in the world and in ourselves you know maybe this is another one of those weird perverse silver linings of the pandemic that it gives us an opportunity to kind of okay, I'm not going to bars. That's not how I'm socializing with people. There are other ways of kind of reaching out. And I want to I want to use that before our time disappears to sort of pivot to some of what you've been trying to do in terms of you know, discovering new places, as you say, to renew the soul. So what are you what are you finding? And are there lessons to curiosity lessons even to be drawn from that? Yeah. Oh gosh. Such a great question. And honestly, and it, it feels almost kind of dirty to say this, that, that the pandemic has offered a lot of, a lot of silver linings to those of us who have the luxury to see it that way. And I realize that I'm, I'm saying this from a position of privilege, even though, you know, I've been through a lot, even though I lost my job last year, even though, you know, I struggled with X, Y, and Z, I still know that I'm coming at this from a position of privilege, but there are certainly a lot of things that being being in the beginning, sort of being separated from everyone allowed us to do it. It was for better or for worse to get to know ourselves better. But now that we're coming into this sort of different wave, I think the sort of like hybrid model of being able to socialize in smaller groups or safely in larger groups in per, in person, but also online. I think I think this like the hybrid model of, of virtual and IRL is not only here to stay for work, but it's here to stay for socialization as well. And it allows you to open up your social circle to more than who is just physically around you. For instance, my my district karaoke group, we meet every Thursday night at eight o'clock and sometimes go into like 12, one, who knows, two in the morning. District karaoke started out as DC and not even a lot of Maryland and Virginia. And what going virtual has enabled us to do is bring in people from LA, from Chicago, from Boston. And one of our friends who is a foreign service diplomat just moved to Iraq. And he, when we're up super late, he's getting up super early and singing with us. I mean, it's just enabled <laughs> our, our community to expand when when it feels like oftentimes it feels like what's around us is, is constricting so much. There's a lot that, that this time can allow us to discover for ourselves. And I think it's the discovery that really sort of harkens back maybe to the term curious, curiosity. What can we discover by being curious? What can we add to our lives? What can we maybe necessarily take out of our lives that isn't serving us anymore? And it just... 
I, I think this time honestly has has asked us, maybe demanded us to sort of reinvent ourselves whether we wanted to or not. But but in that demand, we can we can take charge in some respects. We can say, okay, well, things are changing whether I like them or not. What can I what can I embrace about the change? What can I you know, I mean it's kind of like this unfortunate reset button. Or, or rather a fortunate reset button that has had so many unfortunate and devastating consequences in its wake. But like, it allows us to kind of become newer versions of ourselves. I believe. I wanted to ask, there's a, there's dry January and sober October, which seems like a great time for people to give some of this a try. Right. So, totally. <laughs> so, so what do you recommend? Because one of the things that I have discovered, thank you very much from your website and elsewhere is that there's this whole universe, kind of going back to what you said about sort of discovering, you know, drinks that are not alcoholic, but enhance your experience. Like there's this whole universe that I knew nothing about, but I was like, wow, this stuff is, sounds amazing. Yes. No, this is where I absolutely light up. So I have Booze Free in DC, which is very sort of hyper-local, a hyper-local look at Booze Free culture in our, you know, in our nation's capital. And and there are a lot of local makers that that make non-alcoholic beverages, which sort of leads me to the other side of the house, which is this non-alcoholic beverage movement. So, one thing that I would would uh, that I would say to people is support local, discover what's local there, and and I have lots of stuff on my website where you can discover local booze-free in DC makers and also places to get zero proof cocktails. We don't call them mocktails. <laughs> Eliminate that word from people's lexicon. It's it's honestly grating because it's it reminds me of the kitty table. It reminds me of like making fun of a cocktail. It's not real. And most craft bartenders, mixologists create entirely new things. For people who found that drinking this wasn't necessarily serving them anymore, they might find that non-alcoholic beverages are the perfect way to sort of get them off of drinking and get them into something healthier. And a lot of people start with NA beer right away. They start with NA wine right away because they want to have something. There's just so much out there. I, I can't even <laughs> keep track of it anymore. It's, just, it's so, and there are bars. So later this fall, maybe early winter, I'm not sure what the exact timetable is, but DC is going to have our first booze-free bar. Oh, really? It's called Binge Bar. And uh, my friend Gigi, R-Indeed, is the owner. It's going to be like a brick and mortar permanent spot with a social space and and a non-alcoholic bar. So that is coming, but there are booze-free bars all over the country. It's just exciting. Like I, I, I challenge someone, the next time you go to Total Wine, check out the non-alcoholic section. There's tons there. And if you don't feel like going into a liquor shop, even if you do drink alcohol, because you're just like not trying to go into stores right now, there's so much that's available online. And again, you can check out my resources. I have so many. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just, I love it so much. This is, I'm just so happy. Like, but like, I feel almost like full. Um, My happiness has this like full feeling because non-alcoholic beverages can be for anyone, honestly. I mean, there's a, there's a full sobriety spectrum out there and it's anyone who, 
may not be drinking for the night for whatever reason they're prepping for a big meeting or an interview or they're the designated driver or you know there's obviously the nine month break for, for pregnant women there you know you, there might be abstaining for medical reasons or religious reasons or you're training for an iron man or whatever or you're doing dry january or sober october and then there's of course the more permanent straight edge folks or people in recovery or people who just choose not to drink anymore and so there's this just this whole wide spectrum of why someone might not be drinking and they deserve options it's all about inclusivity and hospitality we're not telling people to, to take alcohol off the menu but we're asking and demanding that that more sophisticated options go on the menu as well and are not just for the kids well, speaking of mixing things up and mixology, are you? Before I let you go, are you game for my big jar of wannabe analogies? Yes. Let's yes. Do it. Okay. All right. All right. That's the spirit. Okay. So I have this big jar. I'm going to take out three slips of paper: one for you, one for me, one for the audience. And let's see. Okay. Yours is how is curiosity like arguing? Mine is, how is curiosity like an obelisk? <laughs> and then I have one for the audience. So do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go? I'll, I'm happy to go first. I think okay. I actually got off a little um, easy with, with mine. How is curiosity like an argument? I think you can you can kind of come at it from the perspective of, well, an argument typically has two sides, maybe Maybe it's more like a Rubik's Cube and it has more sides than that. But there are usually dueling perspectives um, that that support an argument, pros and cons, you know, speech and debate. There's always a pro and a con. And I think curiosity can be seeing things from all perspectives. Oh, nice. How do you, you know, maybe you are staunchly perspective A why don't you try to step into the shoes of someone in perspective B and see, might there be any points that they have that are actually worthy? Or are you 100%, you know, point A, and that's okay as well, but you've given yourself the opportunity to be curious about what someone else might be thinking. And I think I'm going to take that into my day too. You know, I certainly don't agree with everything that everyone says, but I should be able to at least critically think about why my argument should be supported and there's not or or what have you. So I think I think curiosity is a lot like seeing things from multiple perspectives. Very nice. Very nice. I love the fact that you took things that we might think of as opposites and found their commonality. I really like that. Your turn an obelisk. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, right. So how is curiosity like an obelisk? Um hmm. so I'm gonna say that the obelisk is actually a well, it's kind of a universal form. Like you see it in all kinds of cultures and it's got its own sort of flavor and spin, but the, but the basic concept is there across multiple cultures across the world. And I think curiosity is like that. It has these different expressions, but it's fundamentally something that is present everywhere. And I think it's also, you know, an obelisk is, it's monumental. We mark things with an obelisk. And I think curiosity has this potential as well, that we can mark things sort of the way you talked about sort of how we're approaching the pandemic or even some of the kind of social reckoning that has come simultaneously, that we can mark those things with curiosity. Um, so 
I guess that's how I see it as an obelisk. And uh -huh. uh, uh, that was a tough one. Um, and audience, yours is potato. <laughs> <laughs> how is curiosity like a potato? Let me know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. So you can share that with your friends, Laura. See what they have to <laughs> yeah. say. Totally. Do you get a lot of um, audience feedback about how it's oh, not as to... much as I want? So you can join oh, me in this mission okay. to get people to join. See, it's not as bad as you feared, right? Stuff actually comes to you. It's kind of a cool thing. So Laura, thank you so much for this. I've had my eye now on a whole bunch of these locally made shrubs. And I, I mean, I've discovered a whole universe of things. Thank you for joining me on the Curiosity Adventure. Oh, so much fun. So much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, it's been an honor and I know I got a little soapboxy, but I, I have strong beliefs about this and I just want people to ultimately find what works for them and, and be curious along the way. You've been listening to Radio Arlington, WERA 96.7 FM. Catch us anytime online at WERA.FM. You can find all my previous shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, or on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number Two, Letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your potato analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Laura Silverman, for her swift and enthusiastic reply to my request out of the blue. I've got links to her as well as research and other resources on my website. Check them out. Thanks, too, to that grad student for inspiration. Our theme music is by Sean Ballack, and this is Shift of Currents by Aeronaut via Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.